whistleblower report exposing lies deceptions and all that has assaulted our way of life we must take back our freedom and live as god designed in a free america that honors our constitution and our creator our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. For such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report. This is Dr. Lee for America, and I'm here with two of our international guests today. I'll tell you more about them in a minute. Those of you that are listening new, please tune in to our Whistleblower Report every day, Monday through Friday at 12 noon and 12 midnight Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio and on demand at www.whistleblowerreports.org, and on our Cloud Hub and Rumble channels as well. We are also on all of the global podcast networks. Today is Inside Pharma Report, exposing the inside of the big black box that is Big Pharma that the public does not know what is really going on inside this black box of secrecy and lack of transparency, lies, and deception. The host for Inside Pharma every Friday on the Whistleblower Report is Hedley Reese from the UK, who has a 40-year career as a pharmaceutical manufacturing, quality control, distribution, and good manufacturing processes consultant. He has worked for huge pharmaceutical companies like Bayer, and he has worked in smaller pharmaceutical companies and also has been a consultant in his business, PharmaFlow, and currently is on the Truth for Health Foundation Advisory Council as our consultant to what should be good manufacturing processes and pharmaceutical quality control, and proper compliance with distribution standards. Headley is also newly engaged with Truth for Health Foundation as the host of Inside Pharma every week. So we welcome him to the show. I'm his co-host and wingman for this program. And we also have today Rainer Fulmek, international attorney, who is also a U.S attorney licensed in California and has a home in California as well. We'll be telling you more about some of Reiner's um, going on the offense against the deep state and the global tyranny drive that is trying to control our lives and is causing crimes against humanity. You'll be hearing a lot more about that, not only today, but in upcoming programs. But Reiner is here with us today to talk about what is going on at the global level with Headley. And the big question today that we want to focus on is 
what is Bill Gates doing behind the scenes to manipulate the global healthcare system and the global medicines regulatory bodies in various countries, starting with the UK? What, what is actually happening that is a threat to all of us? And it's not just, in my opinion, as a practicing physician and somebody who's watched Bill Gates over his career, it's not just about capture of the global healthcare systems to collect massive profits and to be in control in the arrogance and hubris of someone with a diabolical mindset. It is also about his longstanding and long, often stated agenda to depopulation. He is on record for at least 20 years in TED Talks that I have seen, where he talks about the fact that in Bill Gates' mind, as one man, that there are too many people on the planet and that we should be using vaccination as a means of sterilization and depopulation. And that is what has been done with the COVID shots and the gene therapy technologies. So as the host of today's show and with a plan to go into more detail about how the UK in particular and the MHRA Medicines Authority is being manipulated by the control of Bill Gates as the master strategist. It's very chilling. And we now have Hedley Reese and Reiner Fulmick to talk more about that. So Hedley, thank you for agreeing to do the Inside Pharma with us every week. And Reiner, we are very grateful for your longstanding fight on all of these fronts in leading the fight against these crimes and against humanity. And I know you have a lot of things in the works on that. So thank you both for being here today. Headley, take it away. Yes, thanks so much, Dr. Lee. It's a real pleasure to be with you again and to be with uh, Dr. Reiner Fulmick is, uh, is, is an honor indeed. Um, and what I like about this is um, I'm very much focused on the manufacturing and distribution supply chain for both clinical trials and commercial supply. I don't focus on Mr. Global and everything else that's going on, because if I did, I think it would drive me mad. So, uh, But uh, what I'm very interested in is to put what's been happening in the supply chain with Bill Gates into context of the broader global um, geopolitical situation. So I, I've known, I, I work in the UK, I live in the UK. I've been working with gene therapies since 2013 when I consulted to a company called Oxford Biomedica which is a contract manufacturer specialized in gene therapy, and they made and, and still make the um, AstraZeneca uh, vaccine. I won't call it a vaccine, I call it an injection. And they also make the gene therapy that was approved by uh, the US FDA in August 2017 called Kimria. And Kimria is a gene therapy for uh, rare blood cancers uh, known as uh, 
party. And it is basically, that is basically the only indication that gene therapies really have been proven to have a, a, an effect and, and uh, they are approved. Now, why this is important, because that particular product is $475,000 for one treatment. And the other similar therapies that are potentially on the market or could be on the market are somewhere between $500,000 and a million dollars for one treatment. So you can understand these aren't selling, you know, and the industry has a big problem because the profits that they've been used to making, these mega blockbuster um, products where something like a Lipitor would make $35 billion in, in a lifetime of sales due to the patent monopoly, that's all gone. And uh, I, I could talk a lot more about that. I won't go into it now, but the strategy that the industry has been, been taking over the last 40 years has just been a downward spiral to the point where it's desperate to make the dollars and it's had to uh, actually pretend that you can make these gene therapies and the companies involved are all complicit in that. So, and when um, where Bill Gates comes in is because he's been obviously since, I don't know, 2000, even just before that, um, you know, he started to developed the malaria vaccine and people I know went to work for him at the time in 2005. And, you know, he was going into um, underdeveloped countries and a sort of learning the trade on, uh, you know, on, on people really, um, you could say he was taking an ad advantage of. And um, he hooked up with people like uh, Chris Whitty, who uh, was at the School of Tropical Medicine in the UK. Um, people like the head of the Welcome Foundation, um, Jeremy Farrar. Um, and th there was an article written on Ebola in 2014 that Neil Ferguson, Farrar, um, uh, uh, Witte and um, several others were involved with. And it was a, a basic snapshot of COVID-19. They were talking about isolation, isolating people. They were talking about setting up uh, isolation centers. Uh, and I, I can share that article with you. It's, it's, uh, it's on my substack. And when I saw that, I thought, good gosh, <laughs> you know, th this is exactly what they've done with COVID. So in 2016, the chief executive of the UK's MHRA, Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency, set up a, a duplicate regulatory authority called the International Coalition of Medicines Regulatory Authorities. No vested power whatsoever, self-elected. And today, nearly every uh, regulatory authority, what I would call the formal regulatory authority, which would be FDA in the US, European Medicines Agency, and Visa in Brazil, MHRA in the UK, they are all members. They all have regular meetings. They've been having regular meetings for the past 10 or more years. So they've uh, ganged up, if you like, together to be the regulators for the pharmaceutical industry. That, that's so that, uh, and they've spent their time basically hollowing out the, the, the official regulators. Um, 
through these meetings. So the Ian Hansen, who was the chair of the MHRA, or CEO of MHRA, he was the first chair of the International Coalition of Medicines Regulatory Authorities. The next one was the there was the head of the European Medicines Agency, and the current one is Emma Cook, who is uh, also the head of the European Medicines Agency. So that person's got two. She's got two jobs. She's got the formal regulation, and she's also got this body, which is meeting regularly and you know going along and and basically started to hollow out the skilled people. And I, I can say the MHRA now. I mean, I, I've been working with the MHRA speakers when I co-chaired a conference in Cincinnati every year, 2011 to 2014. We had an a MHRA speaker every year, and they've all left. They were all good people. Mark Burrs, head of inspections, uh, David Churchwood, uh, Richard Andrews, you could name them. Um, they've gone into consultancy, and they're out of the industry, and all that's left at MHRA is juniors. They're wall-to-wall Microsoft um, artificial intelligence, uh, HoloLens 2, which has been used to run the the, um, uh, virtual inspections. And virtual inspections are absolutely useless, absolutely useless. So, you know, if you went in the restaurant and they said, oh, they've been virtually inspected for the last 10 years, you'd you'd say, well, so no one's been and had a look behind the you know, the cooking hob or in the oven or in these little sort of nooks and crannies that are around the place. That's effectively what's happened. They have not inspected the companies making these drones, the contract manufacturers. It's not Pfizer, it's not BioNTech, it's not Moderna. It's companies like Lonza in Switzerland. And we know it's Lonza for Moderna because that's public domain. Catlin Pharma Solutions, the second largest contract development manufacturing in, in the world, they do the fill and fill finish for, for Moderna. So don't think Moderna could ever make a drug in their lives. They they couldn't. So, so well, what, what I'm Henley, saying is, yeah. Let me ask you a question. Let's, I would like to get our listeners to hear from. Dr. Reiner Fulmick as an international lawyer about the legality of what's been going on, because uh, this is staggering what you are bringing out. Well, Dr. Fulmick. The short, the short answer is this is utterly, totally, 1000% illegal. These are captured agencies, as they say in the United States. Um, They are not our agencies anymore, just like most of our governments are not our governments anymore. It's uh, Catherine Austin Fitz calls them Mr. Global. They have taken over. They're doing this by on the one hand bribing people and and this is what we're just talking about right now but on the other hand extorting people this is all coming out into the open right now everyone knows about jeffrey epstein and all the people who have been involved with him well that's their of their way of gaining control over people so that the dark secrets never come out and these people will do whatever they're told because they don't want their dark secrets to come out but uh to give you an example before i 
I let Headley uh, proceed because no one knows more about this sordid back background than he does. Um, uh, the um, contract between Pfizer and the um, and the European Union, which was um, entered into by the European Union on behalf of all the member states, it uh, it was leaked, and we also know that there was a uh, legal. Uh, expert opinion written about this contract by a group of Belgian lawyers because Belgian law applies <laughs> and they came to the conclusion that this contract is null and void because wow. here in the US you would say there's no consideration but you can put it another way only one side and that's the buyer has any duties and obligations whatsoever the other side doesn't they explicitly say we don't know if these shots are effective we don't know if they're safe uh, if there are alternative methods of treatment you will still have to buy our product and if something goes wrong you cannot hold us responsible totally utterly illegal it is blatant the problem is that the people don't know about it the people on our side of the fence they know because they listen to the to the real information but from the mainstream media for the people on the other side of the fence you don't get any such information none of this is out in the open that's why it's so important to listen to headley uh, because you know the thing is with us lawyers the legal analysis is never as important as getting the facts out. First, you need the facts, then you have a basis for a legal analysis. If you don't get the facts right, um, the legal analysis is going nowhere. That's why people like Headley and others are so important. Exactly, and why Inside Pharma is a now a weekly feature on the whistleblower report, because my belief has been all along we have to try these cases in the court of public opinion. We have to get the information out to the public because they're being lied to. So Headley, back to what you were saying, I just wanted to have our listeners have a legal opinion to buttress what you're saying. You and I know it's illegal, but neither one of us are attorneys. So thank you. Our yeah. international it's attorney so obvious, expert. isn't it? It's commonsensical. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the, the thing that, well, I always, I always say, you know, these drugs are manufactured in the same way an aircraft, uh, an automobile, silicon chip. They've got various stages. You have to sort the components and, you know, and to do that, you have to specify them. You have to do the design work. And it's as if... The, the 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 notion of COVID is that you can turn a handle and the next vaccine pops out. You know, that's complete nonsense. But yet people, you know, uh, Melinda Gates is talking about a 100-day drug, you know, and COVID was like, I don't know, 300 days. It's complete nonsense. But because it, it's hard to explain to people, um, the way I explain it is when you develop a drug, it's an unknown substance. So, you know, you wouldn't go into the field and pick a mushroom up and eat it thinking, oh, I don't know what it is, but I'm sure it'll taste nice and it'll do me good. So an unknown substance, um, it's called a new molecular entity. And uh, the first thing you have to do is, is make a small amount of it, 10, 15 kilos, and test it in animal models. Now, we'd rather they, they didn't have to test in animals, but it's all we've got at the moment. And 
So you uh, build a, a supply chain that can make this 10 kilos. So you source your raw materials and starter materials, mainly in China. Again, why why the industry's gone to China on block, I, I, I don't know. Then you have to um, actually make the what they call the drug substance. That is the active substance. And in uh, with the, these vaccines, it's the uh, it's the mRNA liquid that's made um, and then shipped to the next stage, which is the drug product. So that's just the product. So you you put the mRNA um, liquid, you purify it and do all various things to it. Then you put it into a vial and you put a stop and then you put a cap on it, and and then you send that. Um, to be tested in animal models at a contract research organization. Now, we know none of that could have happened because typically it takes three years from start to finish to do what they call the preclinical testing or the non-clinical testing. So that's three years gone at the start. And the company testing the substance has to write reports on the toxicology, on the drug metabolism and the pharmacokinetic you know, even animals, you look at what the drug is doing to the animal, but also what the animal's body does to the drug. Because, uh, you know, you could, the body breaks down anything that, you know, it, it, it takes in, and it could turn a, a potentially harmless uh, molecule into something that's toxic because it collects in a certain organ. And, and this, you know, pharmacokinetics, all this work has to be done to be sure that you know you're not going to launch something on the market that really is going to have severe impact on kidneys liver you know heart whatever um and then once you've done that work small quantities you scale up and once you scale up so you go to say 50 kilos for a phase one study in healthy volunteers and that may be enough to do a phase, early phase two study as well so you make 50 kilos or liters, depending. Um, and then you test that in animals again, because once you scale up, you can change the the, the molecular structure of, of the compound. And it's quite common. I've had clients in phase two who've had a safe drug that's turned toxic because they've had what they call a polymorph, where the mole molecule actually uh, changes uh, it, it's structured in some way and, and it becomes toxic. And that was only found out because the company tested what they'd made for phase two and they had to just stop this, stop the trial and, and the company went down. So, and, and that is something that they've disguised. They focus very much on the clinical data. So, but the clinical is not the rate determining step. The rate determining step is how long it takes you to manufacture these batches, get them tested for safety. And you have to take what they call the chemistry manufacturing and control section, which is the supply chain piece, along with the safety testing and the two together tell you if a drug is safe or not. So um, is, that is that making sense? Yes, and none of that's being done. <clears throat> Reiner, what, what would you see from your perspective in Europe and Germany, for example? 
Well, I at this point, I'm afraid Germany is a lost cause. Um, what did happen in Germany, as far as the facts are concerned, I'm saying a lost cause because our judiciary is totally corrupt. There are exceptions to this rule. Um, there are a few judges out there who are still willing to uphold the rule of law. But if you look at what happened to the judge in Weimar, who was after he made a ruling based on expert testimony from three renowned experts, he told a school to stop torturing the children. Well, he phrased it in legal terminology, of course, stop doing these uh, um, uh, uh, PCR tests every day or every other day, stop uh, social distancing the children, uh, stop making them wear masks. That was his decision. This is what he should have done. This is what he did do. He called upon expert testimony in order to get to the right facts. Three weeks after his decision, his house, his home, and his office were searched. His cell phone and his computer were seized. Same thing happened to the three professors, the experts. Same thing happened to a friend of his. Many other people who were with him, well, it didn't, it didn't really scare him because he knew what he was getting himself into, but it was meant to send a signal, a message to the rest of the judiciary. It was meant to intimidate them, and that's what it did. As far as the facts are concerned, this is what I learned from a recent interview I did with Headley and Karen Kingston. Well, they did do actual trials in 2019 in Germany. They did do actual trials. And from these trials, they knew exactly that these injections would be extremely dangerous, deadly, that they would cause uh, myocarditis, pericarditis, blood clotting, etc., etc. They knew everything. Why do we know this? Well, that's a rhetorical question. I know, I know this from another, um, an Italian scientist by the name of Dr. Gabriele Segala. He showed us that they filed for a patent, BioNTech-Pfizer filed for a patent for their vaccine in November of 2019. And all of these adverse effects are included in their filings. They knew exactly what they were doing. They knew that they were killing people. Well, and in, a, in addition, Dr. Yeadon found in the pharmaceutical research research that was done 15 years prior to the rollout and published 12 years prior to the rollout of the COVID shots, gene therapy shots, not traditional vaccines. And he reported on that. He first told me about that in July, 2021. And in those published studies, that were published 12 years ahead of the rollout, every animal species tested had damage to the ovaries and testicles. And they went ahead with it. They knew that reproductive damage for males and females was a consequence of these shots 12 years before they were rolled out. And and that was the point at which I had been warning my patients that we didn't have enough safety data and we didn't have enough proper trial development, proper um, oversight to be recommending these vaccines. And and my point to my patients was always, you don't need the 
the vaccines because you have early treatment and COVID is very treatable if you treat it early with existing medicines. But by that moment, when Dr. Eden brought this to my attention, that was when Truth for Health Foundation launched the Stop the Shot campaign with international experts for exactly these reasons. They knew it long before it was rolled out. And you and Headley are just bringing out reams of information to support that. Let's take a break and we'll be right back after the break for the second half of the Whistleblower Report Inside Pharma segment with our host, Headley Reese, and our guest, Dr. Reiner Fulmick, international attorney. This is Dr. Lee for America. Check us out at www.truthforhealth.org and join us every day for the Whistleblower Report and blockbuster information you're not getting anywhere else. And let's expose the lies and deceit and give you solutions to help save your life. We'll be right back after the break. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative think. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, keep your face always toward the sunshine and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free, love it, or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. This message is from the Truth For Health Foundation. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam Sigloff, a family medicine physician and a major in the U.S. Army. The following are only my opinions. Service members are being coerced to participate in medical experimentation, with over 7,500 service members being discharged for refusing to participate. Many of them have lost their retirement and medical benefits. There are allegations that the DOD is committing medical fraud, violating the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and violating the constitutional rights of service members. Strong men and women stand ready to defend so that you can sleep peacefully through the night. Now we must stand watch over the military so they can sleep peacefully through the night. Please get involved to help protect the military. This message brought to you by the Truth for Health Foundation. 
For more information, please visit truthforhealth.org. That is truthforhealth.org. Truth, the word for, health.org. Welcome back to the second half of the Whistleblower Report, Inside Pharma, with our host, Hedley Reist, and our guest, Dr. Reiner Fulmick. So we're continuing the dialogue about the regulatory capture, about the global elites in particular, Bill Gates as one of the leading masterminds of using vaccination as not only an avenue to massive profits, but also to causing people to be maimed and dying as a result of these experimental shots and technology that has known damage with the lipid nanoparticle coating that includes polyethylene glycol and with the spike protein targeting the tricking the body into making this non-self protein that triggers autoimmune reactions and skyrocketing cancers, damage to the heart, the brain, and every one of our critical organs. I think the alarming thing is the degree to which all of the regulatory systems have been captured and the safety standards are not being properly instituted to protect the public. So Hedley, go ahead with what you were bringing out on that and we'll ask Reiner to bring in some of the legal perspectives and the international efforts underway to hold the perpetrators accountable for what have become massive and global crimes against humanity. Yeah, so the clue is that the UK Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency was the first body to approve the vaccines. I, I'm calling them vaccines, but you know, I'm, they're injections. Uh, they're not vaccines at all. And every approval, uh, the MHRA has been the first, and then it's been like lockstep between FDA, European Medicines Agency. Now, the MHRA hasn't evaluated a new compound since 1995 because um, in 1995, when the UK was in Europe, all drug evaluation was centralised at the European Medicines Agency. So, and the, the, it was then based in Canary Wharf in, in London and the MHRA was based in London, Victoria. Um, but of course... Um, and the skills and all the knowledge then was in the European Medicines Agency. So the MHRA does not have the sort of skills that we're talking about to evaluate the three modules that need to be evaluated, the clinical, the, 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 the safety, and the what they call the chemistry, manufacturing, and controls, which is a huge amount of detail on all the suppliers, the specification, the development protocols, the quality control, or that thing that need, need, needs to go on. So, so you have to question. Well, you know, how did they do it? Well, they issued what what's known as a conditional marketing authorization, which is a bit more challenging than the uh, emergency use operation authorization in in the U.S. That was very loose, from what I'm told. But the conditional uh, marketing authorization has about seven pages of conditions under which these uh, injections are conditionally approved. 
and you can go through it and you can say they didn't do that, they didn't do that, they didn't do that, they didn't do that. So a, a lawyer with one of those, um, with the evidence that I'm bringing up here now, the facts and the evidence, you could prove that they did not meet the terms of the conditional authorization. Um, you know, and even if you just consider at the high level that these uh, injections came to market 10 times quicker than any other uh, product ever before, you know, uh, what did they do differently? How did they suddenly, uh, how were they suddenly able to do that when it's never, uh, it's never happened before? Well, they could do it because they didn't do all the things that they should have done. I know for certain that they suspended uh, um, the quality control on shipment of a product from one, one site of manufacture to the next. It's called shipping under quarantine. Uh, it's basically um, hardly ever used in the industry, but if there's a dire emergency, you can ship the goods that you produced to the next stage before it's finished uh, its quality control. And uh, then it has to be quarantined when it gets to the the new plant. They have to, you know, put it somewhere separately, put it in a, a bonded status, and they have to wait until the other plant says, right, we've completed the testing, here's the data, and we are saying to you that is now okay to use. And then that will go back into the in, in, into production. And from an MHRA symposium I attended in February, they very clearly said they were working under shipping under quarantine the whole time. And that must have happened globally because all these, uh, the, the vaccine, the injection uh, sellers all work to the same system. You know, they had to. So we know that there was no quality control to anything like the standard they should have been uh, when these uh, injections were being developed, the clinical trials and the commercial manufacture. Well, and what would be, Dr. Fulmick, what would be the legal framework globally that would have allowed that degree of coordination and total abdication of all the existing regulatory conditions. Well, the, the one thing that really strikes you when you look at what happened all over the world, that this is really a lockstep approach. They all followed the same orders. If you watch in hindsight, of course, it's even more apparent. If you look at what politicians said, what uh, newscasters said, verbatim the same verbatim yes. the same it's safe it's effective it's been tested all that junk which is basically a lie and that's the major problem this is a lockstep approach it sounds like we're talking about a dystopian james bond movie but we are talking about a J dystopian james bond movie there are a few players out there those who uh, Catherine Austin Fitz calls Mr. Global, who think that they can decide who is to live and who is to die, and who can use the resources and who can't. Uh, but it's only a few people. 
The only way they can make this happen is by bribing millions of people, doctors, politicians, uh, news people, media people, and extorting many others. Um, had, had they not had these puppets in politics, in the media, it wouldn't, they wouldn't have been able to pull this off. Basically, uh, or to sum it all up, we have had the evidence to put them all on trial and hold them both criminally and civilly responsible, take down all these corporations through uh, class action proceedings. We've had the evidence for two years. The problem is we didn't have the courts of law, the independent courts of law that would have taken a look at them. Now, we have had some really, really good decisions. Uh, for example, the one that I keep mentioning is that uh, is the one that um, a Florida judge, a Florida federal judge um, handed down in, uh, on, I think, in April uh, 2018, which said that the CDC, the government, in this case, the CDC, doesn't have the authority to issue mass mandates on, on planes, uh, airports, et cetera, et cetera. That was a great decision. I'm not trying to uh, uh, put this judge down. She wrote an excellent decision, but you have to go into the merits of the case. And the merits of the case is what, what Headley is telling us and others are telling us. There has never been a novel coronavirus, a dangerous novel coronavirus. Uh, this is all fear-mongering. They uh, invented two lies, basically, in order to get people into panic mode, because in panic mode, people are usually following orders, not us, but most other people. So in order to get them into panic mode, they had this German crook by the name of Professor Dr. Drossen. He's neither a professor nor is he a real doctor. He got his professorship from one of the richest families in Germany, the Quan family, which owns BMW, among others. So he invented first the lie of asymptomatic infections, stupid, that anybody would ever have believed it because if you're asymptomatic, you're healthy, right? And the other lie is that he, this crook, invented a PCR test through which we could uh, see who is really infected and who isn't. That's, a, that's another blatant lie because the true inventor of the PCR test, you know, Dr. Kerry Mullis, uh, who got a Nobel Prize for his invention, all his life, he kept saying over and over and over again, this is great for scientific purposes, but you cannot use it for diagnostic purposes. So that's what we need to look into, but we need an independent court of law that will do that. And I don't think we'll find it inside the system because the system is utterly corrupt. I think we found it, our group of international attorneys have found it uh, uh, with the Maori Tikanga law which is more than just a judiciary, judicial system, it's a, it's a way of life. But they will give us a fair hearing and we're in the process of getting all the different factions to the table so that we can go forward with our international group of attorneys so that we can present the evidence that Headley has, that Dr. Mike Eden has, and all the others have. That is actually very encouraging. And actually, if we go with some of the discussions that international attorney Todd Callender and I have had, that the two still protected classes globally are the disabled and the indigenous. So I find it very interesting that you're working with the Maori tribe. And could you just give our listeners a quick intro to that? And we'll do a whole show on the legal aspects of that case when you're ready. 
Yeah, well, um, it'll be tonight. I'm going to have a because of the time difference. I always have to get up at night and talk to them because they're on the other side of the planet. And uh, and and uh, Dexter, my friend and colleague Dexter from South Africa, he gets up early in the morning. But it's it's definitely worth it because if you watch their haka dance alone, that in itself is so powerful. It is so powerful. Plus, these people are smart very smart. I spoke to one of their chief justices and I was about to explain to him what mRNA is about. And he said, oh, don't worry, we know about mRNA. And he, came, he explained to me what mRNA, <laughs> CRISPR technology and all that is. And I said, how, how do you know this? He says, we've known this for 50 years. We've seen this coming. This is the time when we wow. have to stand up and do something, not just restore the peace for the Maori, which is what their legal system is, is designed to do, but for this instance, for this point in time, we are here to restore the peace for the world, which means international uh, trials can be held on their platform. That is truly one of the most encouraging things that I think we could bring to our global listeners, and particularly in light of the very alarming concerns that, Headley, you have been exposing <clears throat> on the vaccine report and with Inside Pharma. I, I mean, I find it shocking that I cannot now, as a practicing physician, answer truthfully to patients when they ask me, do you know what's in my insulin shots? Do you know what's in the vaccines, traditional vaccines? much less the gene therapy experimental shots. And we don't have answers for those questions. That, that is truly a, a very dangerous position to be in. And Headley, I know I wanted to get you to talk further about the fact that the evidence is very clear, and you have been bringing this out for some time, that the United Kingdom is now being used as the test bed for the world for gene therapy-based products designed to give big pharma this pie-in-the-sky new technology for blockbuster profits and along the way kill a lot of people. Yeah, well, I've obviously been following this. Um, Post-Brexit, when the UK left uh, Europe, the, the, the UK government has been looking for something to make the UK number one in the world. Now, they've been working on life sciences since the early 2000s. There's a ministerial industry strategy group, which has been chaired by the um, CEO of AstraZeneca and some other um, big pharma CEOs. They've been meeting, uh, I've been sharing these, there are minutes, but the whole gene therapy thing uh, and the names uh, suddenly in about 2015, the name biopharmaceutical was, became part of the uh, title. So the UK government, th th this is based on observation and fact because the minutes are there, you can see it, you, you can see the current CEO of um, AstraZeneca in this meeting, chairing it. Um, and we know that Bill Gates 
it is on you know speed dial terms with all the, the 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 country prime ministers or the first ministers he's you know he's friends with the the, the um uh, not the leader of the house in parliament but a uh, uh, penny mordant um you know these people he's seduced basically into believing these therapies. I, I honestly think they believe these therapies work because um, there's so much smoke and mirrors in the industry that no one knows what's going on. So if you say this is a fantastic new therapy that's going to cure all sorts of diseases, then how can they challenge it? Because they don't they don't know what questions to ask. As I say, if this was a, a, an aircraft or a car, you'd be saying, well, you know, how did they assemble it all so quickly? So, um, so Gates has seduced the government. The government has, or Innovate UK has a body called the Cell and Gene Therapy Catapult, whose role is to uh, promote gene therapy across the world. The chair was on the vaccine task force, um, bringing in the initial vaccine. So uh, uh, that's former VP of, uh, of supply chain for GlaxoSmithKline, so GSK. So you can see how this is all joined up. Patrick Valance from GSK um, and the, the the former CEO of Glaxo, Sir Richard Sykes, he was running the vaccine task force. You can see all these industry figures are working with government and working with all these bodies, with the NHS particularly. And now the MHR has changed the regulations in NHS so that hospital pharmacies can manufacture these gene therapies themselves without any regulation. MSRA is saying, oh, that's someone else's job. That's the Care Quality Commission. But the Care Quality Commission don't have a clue about how you could manufacture these things safely. So, you know, this is a case of you couldn't make it up. And when you listen to what Reiner is saying, you couldn't, even more could you not make that one up. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's evil, absolutely evil. What, what I would say is that the Mississippi team and other teams are also bringing up Consumer Protection Acts because these are defective products that have been sold to paying customers. They've been sold to governments. So the Mississippi team are looking at the, uh, stopping the jabs or, or, or raising their grand jury to uh, under the Consumer Protection Regulations uh, Certainly in the UK, we have a Consumer uh, Rights Act of 2015, and that's very clear on quality and fitness for purpose of any product that you would buy. So it's very easy to prove that these these injections were not fit for purpose and were not of the correct quality. And, you know, those regulations are there. You can't say, oh, they're not there. You can, you know, put in Consumer Rights Act 2015, and it comes up and it explains all the elements that you need to prove that you haven't uh, supplied your customers with defective, non-fit-for-purpose products. So there are some chinks of light emerging, I, I think. And of course, the, the, the Maori, um thing again, that sounds really exciting. So, um, Dr. Fulmick, when do you anticipate that that, investigation and trial may actually get underway. Is there a general time frame that is projected? 
by August. We hope that by August we will have everyone who is of any relevance in this uh, effort, in this international legal effort on board. It's not just our uh, team of international attorneys, but it's also all of the experts. I have interviewed 450 experts over the last oh two and a half years. Yes, and it, with many of them, heavens. Mike Yeadon, for example, I'm really good friends. So I'm close with most of them, and they're all on board, especially the PCR test people. They're all on board, and that's what we need because that's what knocks the legs out from under them. If you, if you explain in a court of law that the PCR test can, under no circumstances, tell you anything about infections, then you don't have any cases. And if you don't have any cases, there's no factual basis for any of the measures, let alone the so-called vaccinations. But allow me to humbly correct you, uh, Headley, on two points. You mentioned Bill Gates's friends. Bill Gates doesn't have any friends. Mr. Global doesn't have any friends. They don't know what friends are. They don't even have human qualities, these people. They don't even have any humor. Did you notice that? They're not funny, except when they can laugh at people who they, you know, who they who they're putting down. That's called in German Schadenfreunde, but I, un I understand that this is a um, this is an Well, American it's a mocking issue. condescension. Yeah. Yeah, that's all. That's all. Um, that that is is not actually they you look at the characterological pathology mm -hmm. and and it is by the book description of what we would describe as a malignant narcissist or sociopath oh yeah they they have no conscience yeah they have no empathy for human beings in fact i'll take it a step further the assault through the gene therapy technologies is on all life and on God's design of the planet from the standpoint of the design of human bodies altering the natural design of human bodies as our creator designed us, but also of animal life. They're using the mRNA Mm -hmm. shots as ostensible vaccines in our food supply, in the food animals. They've been using it in pigs in the United States since 2018, and the public has no clue that they, the mRNA technology is being given to pig farmers to vaccinate their animals, ostensibly vaccination. We all know they're not vaccines. But in addition to that, They've been doing research and, and already incorporating it into plants, growing mRNA, using the mRNA technology for these gene therapy agents and incorporating them into plants, which then become a way of people ingesting it in their diet, mm -hmm. the, altering the climate. Bill Gates is talking about his plan to block the sun. I mean, this is demonic. Oh, it, yeah. is, it is absolutely a demonic assault on the design of all life. So I would agree they are incapable of human relationships. As, as a psychopathology, 
You can read about that. If anybody doubts what I'm saying, just go look up malignant narcissist. That's what it's all about. about. What they really want to do is they want to destroy creation itself. They want to play God. Yes. But that has never gone unpunished, and it will not go unpunished this time either. The other thing I wanted to mention, Headley, uh, Britain didn't leave Europe, but but they left the EU. And that Uh, was the smartest move ever. That was the smartest move ever because the EU, as I have come to learn by way of interviewing a number of um, geopoliticians, but also um, uh, investigative journalists, the EU is really a CIA, a deep state creation. I'm not saying the entire CIA is full of bad people. There's some good people in there too, but the deep state, that's what we have to worry about. And, um, and it appears from what we heard about uh, how Klaus Schwab set up the World Economic Forum in 1971. He did it um, on the basis of a CIA-funded program because he, his father sent him to Harvard University where he ran into uh, Henry Kissinger, and Henry Kissinger introduced him to a CIA-funded program which was designed to change American foreign policy towards Europe. They wanted to have direct influence. That's how the WEF was founded. And 20 years later, in 1992, they founded their own politician production facility by way of inventing the Young Global Leaders Program. So I believe, ultimately, what we're seeing, the EU, is a creation of the deep state. And quite obviously, at the, at the head of it is one of the most corrupt people on the planet, Ursula von der Leyen. She's the president of the EU Commission. No one understands how she got there because she's failed at everything she's ever done. Very, very strange woman. She's the one who pulled the strings as far as the um, uh, conditional approval is concerned. You, you know about the secret um, text messages that she uh, exchanged with Albert Bourla of, of Pfizer. I've heard, I've heard about those. Uh, that uh, again, I mean, when you think how supply chains work, that's sort of well, it's unbelievable. But uh, yeah. well, we we will have to take that up in another show. We have come to the end of a very interesting discussion today. Everything from the MHRA and the UK trying to be number one globally in gene therapy which is a pie-in-the-sky impossibility based on all that you've said, Headley, and learning about the international trial that's coming up later this year with the Maori jurisdiction in charge. That should be very interesting. And Dr. Fulmick, we'll have you back on another legal segment to talk more about all of the legal initiatives. My Salute to both of you for your courage, your dedication. You are both warriors. We are all warriors in the fight to save humanity and protect the design of this beautiful planet as God designed it, not as these arrogant, demonic human minds are trying to alter it. Stay tuned every day for another Blockbuster Whistleblower Report. We'll be back again tomorrow. And thank you all for listening. Check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org. Get loud, speak out. Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Do not be silent any longer. Join our crusade. 
We are here to stand for humanity.